Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Odette Youssef in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Back in April, Reset focused our Closing the Gap series on the major inequities in the transportation system and some of the people trying to turn it around. When I did a study on adolescents of color. What if we looked at access-based metrics? Let's look at demand-based metrics. We have around 4.5 million minority people in Chicago metropolitan area. 12% or 13% of them are living in transit deserts. At the time, we asked the city's Department of Transportation Commissioner Gia Biaggi to join us. She declined, but said that it was because she was working on something big. Well, that something big has arrived in the form of a strategic plan for transportation. Chicago is calling it the nation's first urban transportation plan in the wake of the pandemic, economic, and racial justice crises of 2020. So Commissioner Biaggi has made good on her promise. Now that the report is out, she's here to talk about what's in it. Gia Biaggi, welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. And with Gia is Jeanette Sadiq-Khan. She's the former commissioner of New York City's Department of Transportation. Jeanette is currently a principal with Bloomberg Associates, a nonprofit consultancy working with mayors here and around the world. Jeanette, welcome to Reset. Good morning, Odette. Gia, you're transportation commissioner, and when we talk about transportation, we're usually talking about cars and buses and trains getting from place to place. How has your concept of transportation shifted over your career? Well, thank you for the question, and thank you for giving me a shot to keep my promise to come back. Um, (laughs) So transportation is so often talking about movement, and that's absolutely critical, right? How do we get people from where they are to those meaningful destinations in their life? But it's also about place. It's how do we invest in neighborhoods? How do we reposition the 4,000 miles of streets in the city of Chicago and all of the other assets of lights and alleys and everything else in service of what communities need and want? So really thinking about how transportation operates at a systemic level, right, citywide, but then also how it operates at this one-foot level, at the scale of your front porch, of your doorstep, of your sidewalk. We have to be able to connect the dots across those things. So I think what we're trying to do here is center our work around equity and mobility justice and climate and economic improvement for everybody and prosperity. But then how do we position those assets and that programming in service of living up to those kinds of policy challenges that Chicago faces? Yeah, some of the names of the main chapters don't sound like transportation topics. I'm thinking, you know, you have chapters called Access to Opportunity, Aligning Our Streets with Our Values, streets free from violence. What does that say about how we should be looking at Chicago's transportation system? Yeah, I think it says that we need to have an expansive view on what it means for all levels of government and all of our entire system of assets to respond to those important public policy questions. So, for example, you know, aligning our streets with our values. This is about the notion of having a great Main Street in every neighborhood. What does that do? It's not only making it walkable. It's not only making it easy to get around and a welcoming, inviting place, but it also has everything to do with supporting the retail and supporting an economic recovery. Those kinds of chapters, really, those values around place connect the dots between what people are actually experiencing on their streets and what we can do both as policymakers and implementers. You know, we have a chapter called Streets Free from Violence. And we are a city that is challenged by violence, uh, whether it's gun violence or whether it's 
traffic violence on our streets. And the notion here is how do we put what we know how to do in service of these kinds of questions? I think it's a fundamentally significant repositioning of what transportation's role is in the life of the city. Jeanette, you were transportation commissioner in New York under Mayor Michael Bloomberg. What were some of the major challenges in New York City when you began to work with him? Well, I think the big challenge is having people look at their streets as something other than just moving cars from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And we've certainly seen the possibility of change that's been hidden in plain sight in our streets during the pandemic. When you think about it, the city of 2021 is not the same city of 2020, whether you're in Chicago or Cheyenne, and we've been through so much in the last year. And we're not going back. So that means that cities aren't going back to transportation as usual. And even before the pandemic, our transportation system didn't work for everyone. And if you look at a map of Chicago, a lot of the neighborhoods with the lowest incomes have the highest transportation costs. They have the longest commutes and they have really the fewest transportation choices. And so the pandemic exacerbated these underlying inequalities in Chicago and certainly in New York City and across the nation, and we saw it really play out in transportation. And we saw how essential workers who had to work during the pandemic and needed transportation the most really had the hardest time reaching jobs in medical facilities and warehouses and in markets. And cities across the country promised that they would take action to reduce inequality and to address systemic racism. And the plan that Mayor Lightfoot and Commissioner Biagi are releasing today is the first plan in the nation to make good on that promise. And it positions Chicago as a national model for building equity into their operation, which I think is a model for the future and something that all mayors will be looking to going forward. What are some of the specific projects that you're working on now with uh, transportation departments uh, nationwide? Well, we've been working in cities from Newark to uh, Detroit, to Milan, to create open streets, car-free streets, shared streets, bike lanes, bike share, you know, other sorts of innovations. I think really looking at a future that isn't more roads and wider lanes, it's about reclaiming streets and making the most of them with the road network that we've got and adapting it for new uses. And I think there's really a huge appetite for change, you know, greater than we'll see again in our lifetimes. And You know, making these changes is never easy, but it will never be easier than it is right now. Gia, I want to turn back to you to find out, you know, what makes Chicago's transportation plan different then and what makes it important right now? Well, I think to follow on with what Jeanette was talking about, which is we are repositioning the work that we do to emanate from this idea of providing equity, to focus on mobility justice, economic justice, climate justice, all of those pillars are part of how we define our strategies and then what we will judge our work by. And so whether it's using new data analysis to make sure that we're living up to reducing mobility hardship and economic hardship, whether it's the way that we change our community planning and listening really well, working at that block level neighborhood scale and making sure that what we do is responding to what people are experiencing on our streets. That is a new way of doing business, a new set of measures um, and having it again, centered around equity, a cornerstone of Mayor Lightfoot's agenda is a way that we realize it through the tools that we have in transportation.
When we discussed transportation in our recent Closing the Gap series, the issue of systemic racism kept on coming up. As you know, American cities, including Chicago, have a legacy of intentional segregation through transit policies. I wonder if one of you might be able to talk about that history and how this plan could help to correct that. Yeah, it's absolutely a fundamental piece of why we were doing this plan in the first place, right? If we look at maps of the city of Chicago, right, and you compare the spatialization of race and poverty and all kinds of challenges uh, where we were 30 years ago and where we are today, and the policies and activities of both government and the private sector have created systems that have made it very hard for black and brown communities to succeed, to have access to jobs, to have the best transportation, um, to be able to move around the city and to have great places in their neighborhoods. And so we are taking that on directly. We are calling it out and we are setting up our goals and our benchmarks around moving that needle. It's a really important underpinning of what we're doing. Um, and I think and it speaks to how we can sort of thread between the different pillars that I discussed and make that kind of systemic change. But it's fundamentally a construct of choices that our government governments have made, um, whether it was at the federal level, the state level, or at the level of the city. And so it's our job to unwind that and to also step in the direction um, powerfully toward a new Chicago that rights those wrongs. Gia, all of this sounds really um, interesting, but what does it mean for what Chicagoans are going to see? Does it mean more bike lanes, more bus lanes? Can you paint a picture for us? Yes, yes and yes. Uh, (laughs) It's going to mean a lot more. We will have an exponential increases in things like bus lanes, protected bike lanes, the kinds of uh, trappings of infrastructure that can help you move around the city and feel invited to use other forms of transportation, maybe not just your car. Um, So you'll see shovels in the ground. In fact, today um, we're going down to 71st Street to break ground on the next phase of a major streetscape project along the Metro tracks. So these are the kinds of things that you will physically see on your street, but you will also see more of CDOT in neighborhoods listening, sitting around the table to really understand what the values are of our individual neighborhoods and transforming that into actual work. Um, Notwithstanding more services, right, you'll see by this time next year, bike share across the entire city. We are currently the largest provider of service area for bike share of any city in the country. Um, We're only getting bigger. So you will see new Divi stations roll out. So there's a lot to look for. There's a lot coming. Um, I think it's a very exciting moment, really thanks to Mayor Lightfoot's uh, Chicago Works Capital Improvement Plan which really doubled down on local funds for infrastructure investment, not waiting and hoping for the federal government to come through, which they will, but really getting started on it. Um, You're starting to see projects now in neighborhoods all across the city that are making that difference. So the plan says that you developed like a comprehensive mobility economic index to identify city neighborhoods that experience higher mobility and economic hardship and focus investments in those communities first. Can you tell us more about how that'll work? Sure. We work closely with the Center for Neighborhood Technology, who are part of the Transportation Equity Network, which is a group of 30 uh, mobility justice-oriented groups across the city that actually sat around the table with us with the plan and gave us lots of critique and feedback and made it the kind of plan where we think we can move the needle on those questions. One of the things they helped us do was to create real metrics toward understanding where parts of the city are experiencing mobility hardship, that is, a higher cost to commute, that is longer commute times, 
that are neighborhoods that have more folks with disabilities who have trouble moving around on sidewalks. We got to fix those sidewalks, those kinds of things. So it's a whole mobility hardship index that is matched with an economic hardship index. And this is where we really want to move the needle on getting folks to a new prosperous future. And so that's looking at where you have low incomes, where you have crowded housing and other conditions. So we've created a new index. So this is a new lens to not only look at how our distribution of investments is making improvements in mobility and economic hardship, but it's also a weighted criteria. So as we are selecting projects, we care very much, of course, about physical need. Uh, We look at coordinating with our community planning and feedback from communities about what they see and want. And then this third area is making sure that we are doing the work in neighborhoods that are experiencing the highest levels of mobility and economic hardship. So we are putting together information that we have on physical assessment with data that we have about the spatialization of mobility and economic challenges connected by the community planning that we do all year long. Jeanette, when you think about Chicago, what factors do you think set this city apart and make these strategies more or less likely to have an impact? You know, it's really exciting to see the diversity of options for getting around in Chicago. I was riding CTA yesterday. You have 145 stations. You have 129 bus routes. You've got wide, wide roads, you know, a bike share service area that's over 150 square miles. There's so much diversity already in your network, and there's so much room to grow and expand on this backbone. And transportation diversity is really the basis for greater economic and social diversity, you know, as Gia mentioned. And I think, you know, when you look at it, a lot of cities are built around getting people to and from downtown office jobs. But this is really an outdated model. And more and more people are traveling around neighborhoods far from downtown. And over half of all trips in Chicago in 2019 were less than three miles. So cities like Chicago need to reorient and sync up with these new patterns. But if Chicago is like any other city, it's not enough to have the best ideas. You know, it's always a fight to push against the status quo and try something new with the streets. And, you know, transportation isn't just roads to drive on. It means sidewalks to walk on that connect to transit and stations. It's crosswalks to get from one side of the street to the other safely and streets where you feel safe for your child or loved one and having more choices to get around without having to have a car for every trip. And I think the equity focus here is really important, and it means targeting strategies in neighborhoods that need it the most and connect people who have been left out with new opportunities, with jobs, and with services for one another. Because, And that's not just good for those communities. This is an investment in the entire city. It's good for the entire economy. Because when a transportation system doesn't work for everyone, then it doesn't work for anybody. Um, are there, you know, ideas that you've seen in other cities, uh, whether in the U.S. or abroad, that Chicago should steal? Absolutely. I mean, I think the exciting piece is that mayors are really in a competition against one another, and that's a great competition to have, to see who can build the most protected bike lanes, who can build the most rapid bus lanes, who can, you know, reorient their bus networks to serve more people. Um, how do we create safer streets, more open streets, more Uh, access to people. And I think many of the pandemic strategies that you're seeing around the country are really the kind of first draft for cities going forward. And so I think that that blueprint that we've seen in Working Quickly is the outline for the city that we want to see going forward. 
Gia, you know, I want to turn to you about money. As you know, Congress and the Biden administration are negotiating an infrastructure bill. What would you like to see from that bill and what investments are needed beyond what the bill might provide? I think, one, we'd like to see a lot of funding come to Chicago um, and in particular, really streamlining some of the processes that make it easier for us to spend money. So that's top line. Um, But I think there are some investments, particularly in ADA accessibility, and this is both in terms of making the CTA network absolutely accessible from A to Z across the system. Um, That's something that Senator Duckworth has been working on. The ASAP program that we have here in Chicago is really a model. And so to get more federal funding could make the whole system accessible for people with disabilities and have that extend really to the footprint around those stations. So when we think about equitable transit oriented development, right, matching our housing investments, affordable housing with a transit investment and then extending those federal funds to the footprint that connects those things. So having a great sidewalk network, making sure we have great and safe intersections. So I'm hopeful that Funding will come down both for that kind of investment, um, but then also really important projects like protecting our shoreline. Um, We've certainly had a big challenge with lake levels and uh, Department of Transportation. Uh, If you don't know, we have a big role to play in protecting properties and parkland along our lakefront, and we're hopeful that we can also get funding for that kind of uh, investment really for the long term. Uh, But we're very optimistic, I should say. Secretary Buttigieg was just here last week. Um, and got a sense of what's going on in Chicago and in the region. Um, he's a big supporter, as is President Biden. So uh, we think Chicago will do very well. And, you know, we have any number of infrastructure projects that we think can make a real difference in people's lives here. So, Gia, just to end on this, you know, this is a positive beginning, this plan. Um, but what does a truly accessible and equitable city look like for you? Well, it looks like a system that is easy that's welcoming, that's inviting, that you step out your front door and you can rely on the transit or transportation coming your way, that you're comfortable walking around your neighborhood, that it feels good to stroll a a retail commercial street, that the quality of life in our city is raised up by all of these touchstones in our transportation network. All of those kinds of uh, hopes and that vision is really, I think, encapsulated in this plan. And so I think it will look like a city that is more prosperous, that is more just, that is easy to move around, and that is just welcoming and inviting and keeps people excited to live in Chicago and attracts more people to come move here and and share in our city and our story. That's Chicago Department of Transportation Commissioner Gia Biaggi and Jeanette Sadiq-Khan, former commissioner of the New York City Department of Transportation and principal with Bloomberg Associates. They joined us to present the brand new Strategic Plan for Transportation, released today by the Chicago Department of Transportation. Thank you both. Some shows only talk about the problems in Chicago. We like to highlight the people who are working on solutions. To hear more conversations like this one, hit the subscribe button. And spread the word. We can only make Chicagoland a better place to live when we do it together. I'm Odette Youssef. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.